Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken and happy hours happening somewhere else. The following episode contains spoilers for the new Rings of Power show on Amazon Prime. I'm not paid to give that advert, but I just figured, fair warning, because we talked about the new Rings of Power show. Spoilers. Also, I wanted to title this one, Rocks, Please Stop Talking, but alas... You'll see why I decided otherwise closer to the end of the show. Enjoy. And we're live. Well, we're not live. We're just recording. Holy <laughs> fuck, dude. What? Trudeau's taking all of our guns, but you know what the real problem is? There's Black Hobbits in the new Lord of the Rings show. <sighs> what is the world coming to? I, I feel your pain, so my wife got me this Fitbit. No, let, let's just, okay, before we carry on, I just want to make it clear. I was making fun. I was doing a bit of being, like, a, a racist ignoramus. You know, like, that's not a real thing. I actually like the Lord, the new Rings of Power show, the Lord of the Rings show. That's awesome. I watched it all, too. It's pretty good, eh? I thought so. I thought I, so. I liked it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I There's a lot of people online uh who don't seem to think so i don't know if they're like russian trolls or or if they're just disgruntled incels or whatever but who knows <laughs> disgruntled what was the best comment i heard it was when uh george peterson when they said you uh who said it was he's the leader of the incels or something like that <laughs> uh, yeah i heard about that like he's the patron saint of the incel Oh, oh man, poor guy. Because like that's not at all. <laughs> like that's not at all his mess. I listened to Jordan Peterson like for many years now, and I'll freely admit it. And like not nearly as regularly as you used to, but like still, like his message was pretty clear, and it was it was not like misogynist or racist or anything like that. There was nothing about that. But yeah, it just it just so happened that men with no hope gravitated to it you know so now i have hope <laughs> she said yes <laughs> later she still says yes i know she's still saying yes for some reason she still puts up with my bullshit but whatever don't matter so the, the question i have been it's because, you know, if Jordan Peterson is the leader of the incels and now you've gravitated away from him because you got some. Um, is there a pattern? I put out, what can I say? Is there a pattern there? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think one statistic does not equate a pattern. Um, I don't know. We could get in a whole discussion about Jordan Peterson. I could go down a whole deep rabbit hole, but I don't think anybody cares to hear about it right now. <laughs> No, <laughs> he's kind of, of fate. Honestly, he's kind of faded in the news for a while. I know he did have quite the health crisis. Like there was, uh, um, he had some sort of serious health crisis, and it ended up leading to him to being addicted to like benzodiazepine or something like that. Like it was, it was rough. Like he had, he ended up having to get like treatment in Russia or some shit. It was pretty wild. He was going through a rough patch, man. 
I dude, I follow I followed his <laughs> tours and stuff, and I listened to I listened to I, I honestly I listened to his entire biblical series, which I found fascinating because he approached it from more of like a a an academic point of view, not a not like a proselytizer, um, pa- like a, not like a pastor. Um, but more so from somebody who's spent, you know, 40 years in academia. And it was kind of fascinating to hear, like, why human beings came up with those stories. And he tried to approach it from more of like a, uh, like a, an evolutionary biology perspective. It was fascinating. I thought that was pretty cool. And I liked his interviews with Joe Rogan. But then at a certain point, I don't know, like, he took one too many interviews with mainstream media. And they all, like turned him into this bad guy. And then so naturally he probably lashed out a lot about that. And I don't know, like that, that this is my defense of Jordan Peterson. That's well, my, that's, is, is, some of his comments weren't exactly GBA plus uh, compliant. No, they weren't. They weren't. And that's a great that's, way to put it. That's an excellent way to put it. GBA plus. I love that. That's hilarious. For those who don't know what that means, that is uh what is it? Gender based analysis. Yeah, it's uh, it's the new kind of um, it's uh, call it what you want. It's it's HR type stuff, like human resources type stuff, uh, corporate uh, direction, I guess you could put it anyway. At the end of the day, I know when a corporation is trying to sell me something and GBA plus is something that the cor- that the no corporate interest is trying to sell me. I I would say it's it's about inclusivity. Oh no, no, I don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I get the message. Like I sympathize and empathize with the message because we do need more yes. diversity. We do need more okay, inclusiveness just, within the workplace. I'm giving you. The but I know when somebody's trying correct. to sell me some bullshit. You know what? You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, we're we're an inclusive talk show. <laughs> yes, we are very inclusive. So, as much as we can be for two white guys, middle aged white guys talking about bullshit, we tolerate a lot of opinions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <In our own. laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Anyway, so, um, how you doing, man? Uh, we haven't talked know. in a while. We're kind of doing like a quarterly thing now. Uh, it's yeah, it's rough. So, like today, like I just had my wife bought me a Fitbit. I guess she wants me to live longer. Um, <laughs> So she, you definitely have hope. <laughs> Much to my efforts to break that habit. Um, right. Uh, so I don't know. I was, I was dealing with my contractor lately. My heart rate, or sorry, I was in the zone was 294 minutes today. You were in the zone? What in does that mean? Weight, the weight loss zone. for You were in the white. Okay. Oh, I see. But I never left my chair. Oh. Dealing with my so contract. That's not good. <laughs> so that's how your day went. It's a Friday too. Yes, yes. So I got, I, I'm getting work done in my house for uh, uh, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars, and they only come ninety minutes per day. What? Like, they I, only I, come. Oh, so wait, con- hang on. You're paying a like- contractor to come and do work on your house for, a, and you're paying the contract a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, so, first of all, like, how do I need to get to your level? Like, let me start there. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, um, why? How is it they're only working for ninety minutes? Well, that's why I got 
That's why my heart rate is so high. And I'm like, how, how does this, this account for a reasonable care and skill? Right. Because at 90 minutes per day, I'm not seeing it. Jesus. Like, what, what kind of work are they doing on your house? They're putting on siding. Siding. Okay, what's going on here? Hundred thousand? How? Okay, something's well, not adding up. No, no. When you, what am I missing? I, I did the entire exterior of my house. The roof is done. The windows were done. Or, or windows weren't on part of this contract, but I had another contract for that. So all they have to do for the remainder of the work is to put on siding. They started in August. Huh. They come in four feet strips that are twelve feet long. You would think that they could do it a little faster. <laughs> and oh I my tested God. my 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 friend and I a friend and I got kind of were to sitting in the, in the in the garden having a beer and like how long do you think it would take for us to do like half the side of that house? So we did half the side of the house. We didn't ask permission. We just went and did it. Three right. hours. Three hours. Well, I mean, you got me to help you out with the exterior of your house once before, and it didn't cost nearly this much. Well, we I dug a my- trench around the the outside of your house to go and uh, replace the weeping tile. Yeah, not afraid of hard work, not afraid of patience, not afraid. Yeah. of and, and I, I know what the fuck I'm doing. So yeah. Well, we know that like you basically, if the world came to shit, you would be self-sustaining you and your little fucking garden. You've got there, garden of Eden. So anyways, yeah, 90 minutes. Well, we, we had minutes. this many rain days that, 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 that you know, the manager often say that's fine. Right. So you lost five days in August, 10 in, or 10 in August, five in Sorry, like in September. Great, perfect. What about the? It's a three-week project. In there is three weeks. Why isn't it done? <laughs> it's but, not like this is the government and they can just bank on a blank check because well, that's how the government I, seems to work. Well, when you estimate siding, it's done by square foot, so there's no impetus to actually finish. So you get who you get. So where is this work happening? Yeah, like, what do you have in a contract? Like, is there, do you have a contract with them of some kind where you say, like, hey, I'm paying for... Siding on house. Siding on house? You're not, like, obviously labor has to come in, has to factor into that, but, like, there is a quote that was given to you beforehand... Sure, but if you, and this is the thing, when you eat up, set up and tear down fees at 90 minutes per day, you know, let's say half, set up every day takes half an hour, tear down takes 15 minutes, that's, that's an hour a day you're wasting, you're only there yeah. for 90 minutes on average. Um, How much work are you really doing? No, oh, I know, I, I, I think I get it, like, do they... Like, this 100k that you're talking about, that was a quote up front? And you've already paid that or? I paid 80%. You've paid 80%. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 60, what happens 60, to the remaining 60, 20%? Well, I'm not paying it until this thing is done. <laughs> right. Okay. 
is that are they dragging their ass because the other 20% isn't there or is there something else I'm missing? Oh, no, this is just pure incompetence. Uh, okay. So, so it's, I mean, you know, can you, can you withhold that 20% to say, Hey, okay, that's good. At least you have, yeah. like, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of like bargaining chips do you have? Yeah. And then I also called the lawyer and then I know they do this. To, they've done this to other clients before. So, oh, really? So, uh, I've reached out to class action lawyers. <laughs> Let's see how this experiment goes. <laughs> Damn. So it's a company that's demonstrated a pattern of history. Yes, but they tell me they have a history of success. But if you go on their website and their Facebook account, it's all people that work for the company. They're going, no shit. It's like when Amazon did their, uh, they did their like little ad campaign of like how great it is to work at Amazon. And they like suppressed all the people who had to piss and shit in bags and then just had like paid actors, you know? do their ads for them basically how great is it to work at amazon oh man that fell apart pretty quick speaking of which that kind of leads into i suppose what we could call a topic this week shoot shoot what is it well we we had a little chat a couple weeks ago and i think Mm -hmm. we ended up summing up about quiet quitting or this uh this like big kind of push towards um, unionization lately, especially in the States. I don't know how much it's happening in Canada, but it's big news in the States lately, like Starbucks, Amazon, like there's a big, uh, there's a big like quiet workers revolution going on right now. It's interesting. What do you make of it? Um, I would say two things. As we go on this conversation, I'm going to remind you of these two things and don't, interpret apprehension uh, you know apprehension or refusal to do something in place of incompetence so so and i'll give you an example someone say sorry don't mistake not, apprehension for incompetence yes okay so yes people that or refusal to do work for incompetence so in, in many respects you pay people to do do something of reason of care or skill and yeah. then it's just not done in the other bucket, there's people just not doing things because they just don't know how to do it. So, for example, the guys putting on my siding decided that tried tried to bolster their their credibility with me, tell me he's got ten years worth of experience. Well, I argue it's closer to two because you work part time, ninety minutes a day. It's not really ten years worth of experience. Mm. Okay, so like when when, when you when you look at things, is it, it's very important. So. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would argue there's kind of t- a three buckets of situations going on right now. Now the first bucket is quite quitting, which is I'm just going to do what I'm told because the scope of what they're asking me is much greater because everybody around me is gone. Yeah. Like we're understaffed. Um, we do not have the resources. I like not only are we understaffed, but the staff who are here, they are doing, Three times the amount of work that they would normally be doing because, say, you know, the other two people within their line of work uh, left. So now I have to do their jobs. I have to do the jobs of like two or three other people. That's wild. Yeah, no, I could totally sympathize with that. 
then there's quiet quitting employers who just stop assigning people hours or sort of quiet firing, which is people not assigning them hours or giving them work. Oh, in the hopes that they'll is that more of a trust thing to like push them out? Could well, be people want people want to deal with conflict. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So they sure. stop giving people tasks because they feel like those people can't. They are either can't or are refusing to measure up to whatever tasks that I'm giving them, mm-hmm. like me as an employer. And then, so I just stop giving them tasks because I no longer have the trust that they're able to do them. And Even then the though third bucket, I may be part of the problem. <laughs> and the third bucket, pure incompetence on both sides. <laughs> pure incompetence on the both sides. What, okay, of those three categories, what do you think is the most likely? <laughs> I don't think they have to be distinct. I could say it could be like a Venn diagram. You could have incompetence and quiet firing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like when the it's a conflict, you could together. Have yeah. Three. Yeah. Three. That's right. <laughs> you could have incompetence. They just, they call it quiet quitting because it sounds pretty cool, but it's really, they're, they're just incompetent. It does sound uh, cool. It's like, it's got that buzzword factor, you know, the quiet quitting. It's cool, I'm, man. All the cool kids are doing it, man. I'm entitled. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm entitled to take your money, but I'm I'm not willing to work for it. Well, th- okay, hang on. Is it work for it or go above and beyond what you're paying me for to do? Because like what you said, rem- remember what you said earlier about don't mistake incompetence for what was it? Oh, don't mistake or uh, don't don't mistake the lack of desire to do the work or lack of desire. For you know incompetence, I mean? yeah. yeah. I suppose so, that's a double-edged sword. I'll, if I give break an example it down. on the starting of my house, I looked at it as they're putting it on. Um, can, can can I make sure that you know the, the sheets are cut evenly? Because they're big sheets of you know steel. Yeah. Well, it is. Um, why isn't the bottom line up from one corner to the other corner? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's level C. I put it put some. Oh. <laughs> it's just like you look like you've got a migraine. <laughs> so, since uh, since we're on a little break, I was just going to ask you, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking a butter washed ma- maple toasted maple um, uh, aged vanilla rum. Ooh, that's pretty it. fancy. I, I figured I'd uh, I'd go all out for this occasion. I'd uh, buy myself a nice bottle. I got myself uh, the Glenlivet 15, the French oak cask. This is the one that got me into drinking whiskey. Ooh, nostalgia. Yeah, a little, little memory lane. I figured uh, i share this with you. It's unfortunate you can't have a sip, but because we're, you know, long distance and all, but. Anyway, but you're doing yeah, okay, man. I mean, I know you seem stressed out. I'm you mad. got that eye twitch going on, like I've been having for the last couple of weeks. You know, I'm mad. Like three hours later, bullshit baffles brains. That's how it goes. I know. That's my tagline. <laughs> yeah. But- much, much, much later. That's what oh, human beings are good at, man, especially in a bureaucracy. 
we're we're well adapted for it. As long as somebody doesn't like lift under your skirt or pop open the hood, you know, like and see what's underneath the act- the muscle car that they thought they had, you know, when they realize that it's hello, Mister. Underneath there, it fucking looks pretty, pretty unsightly. It's a Ferrari with the heart of a Fiero. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or a fix it again, Tony. (laughs) Three hours later. That's yeah, that's rough. That's wild. (laughs) But anyways, I don't know if you want to tag back in, but it's. uh... Yeah, we this was a good 20 minute tangent. (laughs) I just want to make sure you're doing okay because you had like a vein going. Oh, I'm. It's still going. Like I don't know where it is. I'm just mad. I, it's me. This is what I look like when I'm mad, You're, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, ah, I can tell you by your body language. It just it sucks because I can't be there to give you a big old hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't get that bad very often. No, you don't. No. So I'm glad you felt comfortable <laughs> enough to share it with me. Cheers. Anyway, but, so we got yeah. a real problem with that Lord of the Rings show. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you we go into it. It's like one of the first characters to die is, is the Black Hobbit. And I really like that guy. He, he, you know what? he was endearing. He was so good. Like he was the only character who had any real sense. He's just trying to make sure people are sticking together. And, like, if you're going to slow us down, then I'm sorry. I got to cut you away. And, you know, like, <laughs> he was we're, he was equally liberal and conservative. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot sure, lately. I, I want to make sure we get his name right just to do justice to... The, the actor or the, the character? Both, both. All right. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, I was thinking about that a lot lately. It's interesting. Um seeing the news today, uh, especially with regards to our intrepid prime minister's uh, new announcement about handguns. Handguns are now banned within Canada. No, like, they have, not, they've, they've froze sales. They froze sales, but it's, it's like in keeping with what he said, like his intent is to, not only restrict buying and purchasing, but ownership. They're going to implement a buyback program. They're going to they're going to make it illegal for you even to use them. So you can't take them to the range. You can't like unless you have a occupational requirement for them, like police or military, then you are not allowed to have a handgun. So the only people who have handguns of any type are either Soldiers, cops, or people who buy them off the black market. That's pretty much it. I would, I would appreciate Until the next prime minister comes in because the pendulum's going to swing in the other way. And whatever legislation that gets pulled in right now, you know, people will vote with their wallets and it'll, the pendulum will swing back in the other direction. Whoever, I'm assuming this Pierre Polyev, he'll probably end up taking the seat next and it'll be the problem. So I guess this is the larger point that I was getting at 
is uh, this pendulum swinging thing, this concept of the swinging pendulum I keep hearing about. It's interesting. It's fascinating because like we treat it like, oh, it's just normal. It it like it'll it'll be okay because it'll swing back the other way. It's just like, yeah. Oh. But are you noticing something? Like I'm noticing things. Like the pendulum isn't doing like just a you know a slight swing. Now it's swinging way out to one side and it's swinging way out to the other side. It's like the extremes are now the norm, right? You know, because the thing about a pendulum in its arc, if I got, uh, like, I'm no scientist or math magician, but it spends more time out on the extremes than it does in the center, right? Because it travels through the center very quickly to get out to the extreme, and then it lingers at the extreme before gravity has to take its role, and then it has to roll back the other way. That's the physics of a pendulum. Now, Politically speaking, is that not the same case? Is that not the same thing that's happening that in our in in our political systems and how things are going? Like things are going more and more towards the extremes I, than ever before. Am I wrong? Test. I'm gonna do a test here, okay? I'm so not do, wrong. Do the social elites drink children's blood? What's that? Do the so- social elites drink children's blood? Uh, are they lizard people or not? I'm fucking with you. Okay. <laughs> How do you spell QAnon? I don't know. Okay, good. <laughs> we know we're not using it as a search string. Perfect. No, okay. no. But you do, like, it is noticeable, right? Like, the extreme view is more prevalent than the moderate middle. But what are you surveying? What's your sample size? What demographic are you doing? Where are you going to do it? What province is that? Okay. Okay. Like, fair. Fair. Okay. You're making decent arguments, but those arguments take time. So what I do is like what every other normal human being does, and I just watch mainstream media for what it is. You do hold my beer and let's do some analysis. Like, come on. That's it. <laughs> I go with my gut. <laughs> Dude. Dude, you might as well just like take the chicken blood, roll it on a table, and which way it runs. No, but think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Like, look at what's happening in the fucking UK right now. Liz Trust. I've got it here. I got a great idea for her book name because she's clearly not getting a fucking pension out of 44 days. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's my here's my book idea for Liz Trust since you're not getting a pension. Sorry, Liz. It's uh it's 44 days or how I killed the queen. Wow. Okay, as soon as you take off your clothes and start dancing around in circles, this thing's over. Um, I know. I'm just making it's a it's a dark <laughs> joke, but it's a good joke. Come on. Those of uh, you out there, you're laughing. You kind of like spat out your drink. <laughs> that's awful. Awful. I know awful. it's terrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible. Long live um, the king. <laughs> okay. Okay. We, is your monologue is your monologue over? My my monologue is over. I am off my high horse now. The show can start in earnest. <laughs> uh, Harp was uh, Lenny Henry as Sadok okay. Barrow. He's the Harfoot Elder and Pathfinder, which seems. seems so the actor's name is Lenny Henry. You said. Yeah, the dude with two first names. Hey, uh, what? Yeah, that's funny. Um, where is he born? He. I'm gonna just click on it here. He he's puts a- on that Irish accent pretty fucking convincing. Oh, and he's knighted. He's knighted. Uh, Sir, 
Lenworth George Henry. Cool. When was he knighted? He's familiar. Uh, I've seen him before. He's a stand-up comedian impressionist. He has his own show. That's where the Irish accent comes from. Well, he's British. Yeah. Uh, African-Caribbean, he's African-Caribbean roots, which is no, no surprise there. Yeah. Um, but he's well known, well known in the term. He, he uh, well known in that, obviously. Nice. He is a chancellor of Birmingham University. So he's a scholar too, a bit of a scholar too. Cool. Uh, but he, he's, he's actually pretty old. If you think about it, he. Well, I mean, it's not surprising. He died of like one knife wound. So <laughs> I'm just joking. That's awful. That's awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a terrible human being. <laughs> no, like I really liked his performance. It was, he was, uh, it was pretty cool. He, you know, you really saw like the village elder in him. He, he had a pretty cool role in that show. I really liked uh, a lot of people don't like, uh, they don't like the lore. Uh, I think my own brother has some complaints about the show, but I mean, my understanding of it is Amazon Prime didn't ha- exactly have the rights to the or, or the source material, like the Silmarillion. They didn't have the rights to it, uh, and so there was a lot of stuff they had to play kind of fast and loose with, with in terms of the the lore of the uh, of of the series of of the whole thing. So, yeah. Anyway. That's about, as, that's about as much of a nerd into the whole thing as I can get. To be honest, I could go much further. Like, I've gone down a deep rabbit hole with this whole uh, Lord of the Rings thing. Like, I've been I've been watching. Now, mind you, I did get an audio book of the Silmarillion, and that's completely unrelated. I won't I won't uh, go into that at all. But uh, I ended well, up watching uh, a whole bunch question, of YouTube one, videos one question, and shit. One question. One question. Yeah, do you have a costume that you read when you uh, you wear when you read the book? Fuck no, 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 no. Do you put no. your ears on? No, I just smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, what where was I? <laughs> I was listening. No, no, no. I was watching a whole bunch of fucking YouTube videos on it, and like. I just went down a deep rabbit hole and I got really fascinated with all the lore. It, it, it's pretty good stuff. It's interesting. So, yeah, I like the show. I thought it was pretty good. Very high budget. I'm looking forward to season two. Anyway, this is our shameless. Uh, we're not getting paid for this advertisement of this show. Anyway. For drivers, for consumers. That's right. We are. We are consumer whores. Moo. <laughs> Moo. But, um. Anyway. We were talking about pendulums earlier. Yes, but it, the thing is, is, it's such an abstract thing without context. That's where I thrive, the abstract. Dude, the fucking planet runs on a pendulum. If you, you want to think about it, it goes start, it goes back, it starts. The day is technically a pendulum, depending how you do the math. So, because it spins, because it starts, it has an end. We have a day, it goes back, goes night. We have yeah, day, the sun back. goes down at night and doesn't tell us where the fuck it's going. What the fuck's up with that? You know, <laughs> the, the point being, I know it's an elliptical orbit. It all depends on your perspective. The, the, tides, are on a, the tides are on a pendulum. Why? Because they're on ebb and flow. Ebb, flow, ebb, flow. 
So maybe what you're looking at, instead of a pendulum, maybe you're looking at a cyclical situation in which we look at... That's we deep. Around, we're going to a cycle. It's a cycle. And this, the cycle means we, we go from a period of, of conservatism, division, um, you know, non-trusting the government, a, dis, um, a hatred towards one another, malcontent. Um, and I was, you know, I've talked about this before, but maybe this parallels the what we felt in the nineteenth, the early World War One. You know, there's a lot of tensions in the air. The, yeah. the nations were divided. They weren't cooperating. They were working. Their uh, protective measures and tariffs were, were were high and in place. We didn't want to do trade. When that happens, you understand the individual consumers. And start facing high inflation. They can't afford luxury goods that were normally uh, afforded to them. They're forced to work harder. And we see that in China right now with semiconductors. Us, no shit, with semiconductors. Then we rise and we start rising the Bolshevik movement, where we're looking at unity, uh, unionizing. We're power of the people. Winnipeg General Strike, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. We set our own systems of government. They're inevitably don't fucking work because they're not actual governments. Um, and then we go back and we, we, we start fighting each other. World War uh, One breaks out. 1914. People, there's a shortage of things. The government starts controlling what's, what people can buy. Shortage of materials. Uh, potential conscription going on. Like how you perceive reality could be a large part of a larger cycle. But then we go to war. People are just happy to be back. We're happy for peace. We're happy to have, you know, Dutch chocolate. We're happy to have South American <laughs> things. And we start becoming uni uh, unity. We downscale arms because we're tired of fighting each other. And we start having a bunch of fucking kids like baby boomers. <laughs> yeah, there's there's high inflation, but, it, you know, things happen. We piss off the Saudis around, global fuel crisis, copper crisis. Like, the point is, is that once we stop working together, things go to shit. So you can be conservative all you want. As soon as you do the wait, we they thing, and you need to unpack what. The oh yeah. You really need to unpack what the conservative view is. You really need to unpack what the liberal point of view is. Yeah. And let's focus on issues instead of polarization. So maybe that pendulum's really not going like this. Maybe it's spinning in circles, and. Yeah, there, you know, there's the human, the 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 human factor that's going on, but maybe it's going like this. Hmm. Maybe there's a multi-dimensionality to what you're saying. Maybe it goes like this, and it becomes a Mobius strip. But the point being, Mobius strip. I know what a Mobius strip is. Okay, so so it's a line that never ends, right? Something like that. It's a strip of paper when you cut it out, and, and you, you twist it. Into a and you connect. put it around, and then if you start on one end and trace the surface of that piece of paper all the way around, you will go on both sides of the paper, uh, and so, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs> the, 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 the point being is that in some places, what people are perceiving as... It's in that Marvel movie. That's all I know. That's how they use time travel. <laughs> okay. Let me get to the point, though. But the point yes. is, is that if you... If you say the pendulum is, is, swings one side to the other side, in some places the conservative ideology is actually a liberal ideology somewhere else. 
and how they're packaged is how they're sold to you. How you consume them and rally the base to certain causes is how that all gets worked together. Fascinating. But when we stop working together, all the bad shit happens. Yeah. And when you say that, when you say we, they, instead of, you know, we stop, start operating on different idealisms. For example, you know, the, the UN Charter, where we respect each other's boundaries, things start to change. Mm-hmm. And you start realizing in the in the retrospect as well when people are are building up certain certain equities in different places, they're there to change ideologies and perceptions and perspectives. So you may adopt, you may be a conservative a conservative person. For example, conservatives usually have fiscal responsibility. You don't waste money on things you don't need. Um, yeah, you can serve, but we need to. No, that's not the way it works. But um, you start. You want to spend money on defense. Yeah, well, I guess the idea is like if you could let's let's go back to Jordan Peterson for a second. Say you have a structure of any kind, whether it's a country or a business or you know a group of people. You have a force that is there to preserve the structure, to conserve the structure, and you have a force there that is designed for updating the structure. And those are the two things that tend to go, they can work, if they work well together, they can create like an idealized environment where you have one thing that is maintaining the structure itself and one thing that's updating it, right? But if one thing gets a little too out of hand, so like the the force for preserving the structure is has too much power, then it becomes rigid and unmanageable. It, It becomes corrupt. Um, but if you have uh, if you have too much loosey goosey, too much update, then you have no structure. Then you have like then that force becomes too much. Uh, that's only one theory, dude. That it breaks down in some places. Uh, All right, so fair enough. Well, I mean, that's my that's my cereal theorist. box philosophy. You, you call that <laughs> structural theorists? There's uh, contingency theory. There's resource theory. There's network theory. There's a whole bunch of different ways, and and you, we got to be careful how we overgeneralize uh, organizational theories, because as I'm learning, um, they're only used in very set circumstances. So if you take that applicability outside that circumstance, the rules break off, and the way your theory breaks down is you fail that that theory fails to account for the the role of middle manager in organizational culture. So um, what, what I'm saying is that middle managers have a lot of power because they collect everything, be- the information below them, mm-hmm. and then they package it up. Yeah, and they can they make consolidate. Money. They can make inf- inferences or judgments or interpretations because only a cover sheet kind of goes on top. Right. So how they interpret- not necessarily doing that information justice. It depends on their personality based on their biases, it gets translated up here. Yeah, that's Which right. Which facts they choose to present will matter to the decision maker above them. And then that happens again and happens again. So yeah. as you go through, you you can say, I have you have soft people and you have structure people and they kind of interlingle. But really, at every level, there's a middle manager going, um, I think this is important. Based- oh, don't pick that because it, you know what? Um, 
we really don't have the money. And if you choose that, that makes more work for us. We want to choose things that make work for somebody else because we just don't have the capacity. Hmm. Right? <laughs> Fuck that middle management. So, and I say that knowing full well that I'm part of the problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, buddy? <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. That's interesting. So, See, I always come, I always come, I always come to you with an idea in my head and you always take a fucking, like a a sledgehammer to it. And I always come out better as a human being. (laughs) I'll break your reality. The pendulum doesn't swing. It spins. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Every analogy I've brought forward, everybody else I talk to, they say, well, yeah, I like your analogies. They're, they're really good. And then I come and talk to you and you're like, hey, you're such a fucking idiot. <laughs> Rock, why are you only thinking of two dimensions? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, you're saying I, I, is I'll among the apes, I am a decent ape. <laughs> um, I'm still uh, an ape, though. There's up, down, left, and right, but mathematically, there's infinite. That's right. There's not just an X and Y axis. There's a Z axis. Yeah, the monkeys. <sighs> Actually, right. there's, a four, there's a fourth one that you forgot. A fourth dimension. Yeah, it was the fourth dimension. Isn't that time temporal? I know that by comic books. So don't like congratulate Actually, my, me just yet. My PhD's in that. My, as a key element of my PhD is time. Time is a key element of your PhD. Yeah. Because you're in organizational theory, structural theories, and all that kind of stuff right now. Yep. Okay. And I'll. How and, does, and, and, okay. At great personal risk, I have to ask how does time factor into organizational theory? And like, I need you to be brilliant right now <laughs> oh, i need you to rock. explain this danger. like a youtuber trying to get an ad <laughs> okay so i would say a lot for example i'll give you one uh, a leading researcher i wish i could share my, can i share my screen on this uh that's a good question uh call settings whiskey no it doesn't look like doesn't look like okay. it okay so some of the what we get for paying for going for a free program. So some of the most prevalent theorists in the in the world, they study. Uh, Hofstede was one of them, and what he studied is cultural differences. I think it was IBM was the organization, and IBM is a global company. They would go to different places and sort of compare cultures between, like, the U.S. based side and let's say Singapore, and they would interpret. You know, so there's some numbers there to help interpretation. There's, but the thing is, he wasn't doing the study at the impetus of change. So let's say I just meet you. Hey, 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 uh, rocks. I'm whiskey. Um, um, let's go for lunch. And that same statement is if there's a high power distance to, to, between us, you're going to come along. Because you're going to feel like that high, I, high power because like you like I have you. I'm a, Perceived as authority to you. So you're going to come no matter what. So it's an appeal to authority kind of thing. You're going to call your wife saying, dude, or ma'am, or I can't pick up the kids today. I know I said I would, but so-and-so told me I had to, so I have to. Yeah. If there's a low power distance, sorry, whiskey, 
I can't go with you because I have to pick up my kids. And in that very same conversation is that, you know, maybe you go for dinner for me and you realize at that dinner that, you know, I'm a pretty chill guy. Like you could have just said, I have to pick up my kids and you know what? I got another guy in my Rolodex that's to call the next person while I'm visiting. Not a big deal. I understand. Mm-hmm. I got I got seven kids of my own. Like I under I got it. We don't need to play this game. So, but we it, do. Well, no, we don't have to say. It. Say next time. Listen, just say no. We'll catch up. We'll have a lunch where it doesn't impact your kids. And we'll that's just- assuming I know you're a cool dude. Yes, but we have if we more interactions we have, the more realization you're going to have is that I'm a cool dude. Yes. So but we need to have more interactions for that to be the case. So the our perception of of power distance when I do surveys happens over time. So my, I might have an initial high power distance and in, in the future low power distance. So okay. what happens? So is, over time, is, the 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 gap decreases theoretically, depending on the relationship between those who have perceived power and those who have perceived low power. And so if I'm studying organizational organizational distance or power distance and i say between and i'm doing a survey of ibm which was, was the original one i think it was 1984 um mm-hmm. or you say so saying as well there's a high power distance here's a calculation but is that can that be used for something that is trying to predict integration but you it can't you can say that that is when the pendulum stops moving and it sits right there because the, it ran out of energy and it's just sitting at the bottom but when it fir- when that pendulum first starts moving, it's spinning. There's highs and lows. There's un- there's the things that we don't understand. So when the initial encounter, there's a whole bunch of different things that could happen until we get to know each other. Mm-hmm. It's like any integration activity. You can say organization behavior would say we have storming, forming, norming, performing, and then close out. And then so, yeah, that's how, that's how teams. Teams work. Teams of people work. Exactly. So teams of teams, when you start looking at teams and teams, the high power distance could be good. These could be interpretive direct orders. And as we get to know each other, these things will start balancing. It might be some, you know, some authority residual, but it might be this big to start. Mm-hmm. But as they gain trust, it'll change. So current perceptions, a lot of current um, research is done in the static level. And that static level has been used to try and predict transient things things that are changing hmm. and dynamic well they found out that when they do that things just break down because they hmm. haven't studied the temporal things so as that pendulum is because we're talking about temporal things is when things are in flux and as there's a whole bunch of unknowns we react differently as managers so much as like the instabilities of the world and I bring it back to the whole thing because we're, we're up on our hour here. But once you start spinning back, the world's in a state of uncertainty. And it's it's very convenient for us to say, we're only going to look after us and our needs. We are going to mm. be physically constrained. Because well, that's it's, it's easy to do that because when there's too much chaos, we close ranks. Mm-hmm. Right? That's fascinating. By the way, we also have like another 20 minutes because we uh, we went through like a 20 minute period where, <laughs> you know, we I got know. personal. To, to, <laughs> don't be weird. 
But when we tie these things together is that uncertainty breeds protectionism. Protectionism is bad. But when we flip around, we say, that's a bad idea. War is a bad idea. Yeah. And, 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 and we start going through these conflicts because that tension, that malcontent escalates. Mm-hmm. And Well, now, right now, the stakes are even higher than that. Not just war. We're talking about, you know, thermonuclear disaster. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the end of the world. These are the same fears that people had back in the 70s, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. It's the Cold it's War. Good. Like the fact that we have a, a f- an existential fear like, you know, our parents did, you know, 40, 50 years ago. That's oh. not a good fucking feeling to have right now. Actually, it's, it's higher risk because those people didn't experience the Korean War and how bad it was. Those people didn't ex- didn't experience like their parents didn't expect experience World War Two. So now we're in a generation that sort of come through with a minor war into power, and they don't necessarily understand the catastrophic effects of these wars. Have. So you can launch all these these the, these 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 word salvos as you want. Yeah. Once you get into a place where, or you can you know, fly to Taiwan on a whim, you know, like, and that's ugh. other things. So you know, you, you know, it, the geopolitical state of a certain is huge. Like China is building icebreakers. Now ponder that one. That's a wild one. And you say, well, we're we're not we're not really that close. Russia's on the other side of the lake. Our planet is not that big anymore. In fact, if anything, our planet got smaller in the last hundred years. Much, much smaller. And Skynet when, Skynet's is been is being built. We're gonna be in trouble. What do you think? We've already had this conversation before in a previous episode. I know that, but let's pretend that I'm being a little bit, a little bit less of a poopy pants, (laughs) you know, (laughs) where I'm not talking about going out into the bush. Um, because as if that's an option, first of all, um, but more so like being more realistic and me being perhaps more receptive. What do you think is going to happen? Like if we're going to go along with this pendulum is not swinging, it's circling idea. You, you hope the pendulum is, you know, if you spin a pendulum like this, it yeah. goes into turmoil and conflict. If you spin a little bit faster, it'll stabilize more. Everybody's equal. Everybody listens to what everybody says. Yeah, because right now we're what in, I guess, you, what you could call an ellipsis kind of movement where shit is really good at an acute scale, but shit is generally pretty bad at also an acute scale. But if you actually had a proper centripetal movement, I see what you're doing. I'm trying. Okay. I know what the name of our episode is now, though. <laughs> so, well, so if it spins like this, yes. okay, 
you see how it's sort of leaning on this side and there's discontent. Some people get the light, some people don't. Some people get, you know, everybody's, there's, there's turmoil here. But when I speed it up, it becomes planner. It's, it's flat. It spins on a plane. Mm. Everybody's around a central pivot. We can call it economic theory. Where it's something in the middle where we have the the money is the invisible hand that guides. But maybe we replace that with with mutual respect. Mutual Are you talking about like trickle down economics? Because we've proved that that doesn't work. Yeah, I'm not talking about neoliberalism here. I'm just saying is that when, <laughs> once we respect people's boundaries, once we put the, try and balance and we all work in the same direction, the pendulum can spin fast enough in which it becomes planner, where everybody's, where everybody's relatively equal. You yeah. know? Um, is it a perfect analogy? I would say no. But I would say that... <laughs> When you don't want war, when you when you when you when you start realizing that it's an uncomfortable place to be in, it's expensive. When you have to spend a lot of money on defense, you're no longer spending a lot of money on other things of value, educating kids, hmm. right, looking after the environment, building sustainable homes. And the reason I say that is that if you look at Russia right now, okay. Sure, there. Let's look at the population of Russia just for shits and giggles before pre war. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good point. Where they say 144 million. Um, pre war. Oh, yeah, that's what the last census says. If you hmm. look at the exodus, I'll do this and, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll understand is that when we start moving a million people. And we start confining people. So you say, well, how much does it take to fight war, fight a war? So we have 300,000 people that were just conscripted. They have to commit. How many people do they need to commit in order to get those people to the front? After losing how many other people? So maybe 2 or 3% of the populace is 2020. Mm-hmm. So... So that is a pre-war population here. So once you start pushing, uh, mobilizing pers- uh, people into war, it takes away from the the uh, the gross economic engine of of the of the the country. So you're diverting health, you know, and I call it you know cow theory. Is essentially if you have a, a meat cow and a dairy cow, the only way you can extract value from a meat cow is turn into meat. But if you have a dairy cow, you can either turn to meat or you can actually drink the milk. When you yeah, that's to- what you, you've talked to me about, dividends. That's how you create dividends. Exactly. So <laughs> if, you, so if you, you take your dairy cows and you put them through the meat grinder, which is war, you're yeah. not going to get any milk. The things that make life livable, the great things in life, um, come from you know fostering a great relationship with your people and your neighbors. If you're always at odds in conflict, it's it's just not going to get there. Like, it doesn't. Like, that's a great analogy when you put it that way. You're gonna have to listen to that a couple times. Hmm. I didn't know that you could apply the dairy cow thing. I thought it was just a dividend thing because I use that a fair amount just to sound intelligent. <laughs> 
I didn't know you could apply it to war. Jesus. <laughs> oh man. You do the same thing. Same, same, same thing to. Uh, oh, there's, there's lots of places. Like once you try and grow and foster things, and if you look at through like just uh, through anthropology, um, when we started growing green, when we started growing, you know, staying in a long place long enough instead of running around looting you know, the, the the nearest tree, yeah, and growing our own crops and fostering the environment. Humans flourished. You know, it's funny you brought bring that up because um, uh, very recently I've been doing a lot of trips, uh, especially with my wife. Um, she runs a small business and we've been doing like these shows. We did a show at, like these expos, right? And uh, we're traveling along and I found myself going back uh, down nostalgia lane and listening to Stuart McLean, a Canadian icon. Love that man. Like, God rest his soul. Um, and he was talking about very similar to what you were just talking about. And I remember I actually got to see him live one point. And, uh, and I saw him live in Brandon, Manitoba. And he was his whole monologue. So he does this thing uh, as part of the Vinyl Cafe. He did this whole thing where, like, whatever town he was in when they were recording live for the show – they would do like a monologue. It would be like, they would call it a postcard. And it would basically be like a love letter to that town, you know, to talk about how great is this town. And it would basically be a way to connect all Canadians by talking about just like how great your town is, just traveling the country. Like Picton, Ontario, he made mention of like, it is one of the last great small towns of Canada or even just of Ontario or whatever. Um um, shout out to Picton. Um, but like the thing he said about Brandon, because it's called the Wheat City. And that's like the hockey team from there is the Wheat Kings. That's where the song, um, the Tragically Hip song, the Wheat Kings comes from. Um, the Paris of the Prairie, all that kind of good stuff. But like his whole thing about he went in this whole diatribe about wheat, about how, you know, you're growing. The wheat is a marker of civilization. It's, it's when, like you're saying, it's like when we start to just sit down, shut the fuck up, plant some roots, and like just start working towards building and growing something. Like nothing is good unless it's green and growing. And that goes back to my whole Hobbit thing. And I think I'll close out on that. And that's a great summary to end right there. No, I think <laughs> the best one is. I think. I, I, I think... Um, I'm getting this one here. And I'll, I don't know I, how we do this, but man, like, I don't know how we've managed to tie in, like, the geo geopolitical instability, a pendulum swinging, swinging, and Lord of the Rings. Christ, Jesus, Roxy been drinking apparently. No. <clears throat> Go ahead. And I would say the downfall of society will always be this: inside your pendulum is a pole. So William Blake, I don't know if you know, I've heard of him. So there's William Blake, 1757 to 1827. Okay. He wrote a poem called Poison Tree, and I'll read it to you now. Okay. And I'll get you to reflect on it because it ties into everything we talked about today. Okay, I'm listening. I was, I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath, my wrath did end. 
I was angry with my foe. I told it not my wrath did grow. I watered it in, with, in fears, night and morning with my tears. And I sunned it with my smiles in soft, deceitful wiles. And in it grew both day and night, till it bore an apple bright. And my foe held it shine, and he knew it was mine. And into my garden stole, when the night had veiled the pole. In the morning glad I see, my foe outstretched beneath the tree. Now there's lots of interpretations of the poem. I would say is... You can harvest malcontent, and you can internalize it. You can put it into your work, into maybe war fighting or taking something that doesn't belong to you. But in any case, it doesn't matter what you do. If you, ha you hold resentment towards yourself, and you dispel that resentment, or you, you hold resentment towards yourself, and you put it in a place where someone could take it from you, the worst thing someone could do is go back and take it. Take something that doesn't belong to you, it never ends well. If you air hmm. your grievances and you work through them faithfully and, and, and constructively, you realize you can be friends. You can You can choose to coexist. But as soon as you take something that doesn't belong to you, it becomes problematic. Once you try and insert a right that technically doesn't belong to you as a person, there's problems. So if we learn to peacefully coexist, that pendulum can just, we can be all equal on a single plane as the pendulum spins as fast as it wants. Okay. But if we look at the pole as a center of equal right and equal opportunity for everyone, I think the world will be, it may be flat at that point, but it'll be flat in the respect of us. We're all equal and we can all grow on a flat piece of land in which we can all look after ourselves and, and, and do our own thing. Just stop pushing things in people's backyards. And yes, God controls a whole other thing, but um, we can look at um, growing things because growing things is one of the, and stewardship is something that's very, very difficult. And yeah. when, we, when we culture, when we, do, we look at all our culture and growing in terms of, of, of reaping the benefits of the things that we do, Right. I think things a whole other dimension to it. But your turn. Okay. The first two parts of that poem really hit me. Where like the whole point, like you can communicate with your friend and things are okay. You can communicate your grievances with your friend. But when you don't communicate the same grievances with your foe, as it says, and you let things stagnate. And then things start getting sour. I that really resonated. I like that. That's interesting because it requires that you be honest with, like everybody, including yourself, because your foe could be you. I like that. You lost me a little bit on the whole. Uh, everything can be equitable and everybody can get along because we know for a fact that that's not true. But then you got me back again when people start adopting a modicum of personal responsibility and 
stewardship, even over the things that they don't own. Because at the end of the day, it may not be your land, but you're living on it. And if you're not trying to help take care of it for somebody else to take over it when you pass, when you move on, then what are you fucking doing? Exactly. I mean, there's there, there's something like there's something to be said about just even if you're renting a like, let's just take a basic example. Even if you're renting a place, you know, you want to make sure that it's tidy. You want to make sure that not like it. And if you want to take it a step further than that, help build a fucking garden. Literally, literally let something grow. You know, because you want to be in a you want to build yourself your own little personal paradise. You want that. And that's when we start looking going to corporate social responsibility, which is a whole other domain of active research for, for, for humans. Yeah. Um, that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people though. And, 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 and I'd argue it's not necessarily for lack of trying or want. I think a lot of people, they want, well, at least in our line of work anyway, a lot of people want to be part of the team. They want to be part of the group. I think what happens is certain individuals within the group let personal ambition get in the way of proper stewardship. I think that happens a lot. I don't know if there's another factor that I'm missing, but I think that's that's the most easily identifiable factor. It's like the corporate ladder. There's the people who want to climb the ladder. You know what I'm saying? And they're willing to they're willing to step on others in order to get there. There's that. There's more it's dynamics. A, it's a that. trope at this point. There's more dynamics, but I mean, yeah, I, yeah. We're, we're trying to, to keep in. Is I don't. I don't want to dilute the point. That's I like obviously. Um, I would say is that once you start take trying to take what others have for yourself without asking, without the mutual respect. Yeah, I think I think I think that like that all breaks down, and once you try try and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, once you start go beyond your boundaries and start imposing them on others, you talk about abortion rights. Um, hmm. You know, it it literally society breaks down. Yeah, polarize we they. Yeah. Um, in reality, I think the the fundamental part of this this poem is when you accept that you're human and you accept the fact that you're vulnerable, and, this, and you accept the fact that there's some emotions in what's going on. Yeah. And without, and if you act in disregard for that human, they're going to build a poison tree for you, and they're going to wait. That's right. You. Once you overstep that That's boundary, a great point. And once you overstep that boundary, that apple's waiting for you. It's not only will they work, not only will they not work for you, they will work in an effort to counter whatever you're trying to do. They will work to, to sabotage and disrupt whatever it is you're trying to do. And then you flip along the other side and you say, it's a very That's another Jordan Peterson thing. I just wanted to throw that out there. And if you'll flip on the other side of this, is that it's a very sad existence of is all you do is to seek revenge because there's no situation where revenge 
actually works out in the favor of the, the person taking revenge. That's right. Because movies taught me that <laughs> <laughs> you're always a loser. You're either gonna if you're gonna win and, and have to leave with, live with the the guilt of what you just did, or yeah. your kids are gonna be left left with the burden of uh, without a being without a father when you Isn't fail. Isn't that fucked up too? That's the other thing that people don't take into account. They can't see past their own emotions and how it has an effect. And I like which is a pendulum. I've, I've been working in a job that has been mentally and physically draining and you can probably attest to this too but like you don't you don't think too much of it but then you come home and like all of a sudden your kids are acting out and they're fighting each other all the time and you're just like what the fuck's going on with them and just like it's not a you don't think it's a big deal but then at one point i mean i'll just make obviously i'm talking about myself because it's the experience that i'm going through and it's patently obvious but um like i come i i don't know i went through a little thing over the last couple weeks and i just made a decision i'm just like okay what what can i actually do about my current situation can i be a poopy pants and just you know continue growing my beard out and just you know not be a pleasant person to be around or to work with or you know that kind of thing and you know, my kids seem to be acting out a lot. I don't know if that's a product of my my doing or not, and perhaps it could be. All of a sudden, I just make a decision. Well, at least what I'm going to do is I'm going to do things to gain more information, and then I'm gonna then I'm going to act on a, that information. Pause two three. Your kids could be the apple. Well, they could be. They very well could be. That's a great point. Oh, fuck. Now we're getting too deep. Now I'm getting scared. <laughs> Um, but like what it ends up coming down to is you make a decision. It's like, okay, well, I can either continue to be a poopy pants or I can try a different tactic and see what, what happens. And in the last couple of days, I've tried a different tactic and all of a sudden my kids are pleasant. I don't know. Like it's, it's not like night and day difference. It's not, sorry, it's not like it happened overnight, but it is a night and day difference. They're like playing together. They're like pleasant to be around. They're, they're happy. I don't know. And my personal disposition towards my own kids is like, it's, 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 I don't know. I'm not trying to take credit or anything like that, but I don't know. Like, like you say all the time, correlation doesn't equal causation, but goddamn, the correlation is too fucking thick right now it just seems like all i had to do was make a decision and change how i carried myself uh at work which bled into because like how i have how i do my job bleeds into how things are going on at home i have no control over that it's just in my nature i'm just saying ada twist the scientists which is sponsored by the obamas um, okay. Would say that you have an hypothesis. Okay. I guess you don't watch Netflix. Eight no, Netflix. not enough. Clearly, you got to get into it, dude. You you I, you'd like it. What do I got to watch? Netflix, all of it. <laughs> no, no. Netflix Ada Twist. Ada Twist. Yeah, Ada, the first computer. Ada. Oh, okay. Twist. Never heard of it. Like Oliver Twist. Yes. 
Okay. Ada, right. ADA twist. Look it up. I'll look it up. Sounds good. Another shameless promotion of something that's not paying us to promote it. <laughs> GFGI, buddy. Um, <laughs> hey, that's my dad's line. <laughs> or if it works, use it. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So right, I, 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 I think if we, it's just to sum everything up into one thing is that whether you're quietly quitting or quietly, quietly uh, or quietly firing, if you're if you're incompetent, but don't know it, if you perceive you, you think is incompetence for malfeasance, just recognizes that we're all human. Yeah. And I think in the boundaries of what is life. If you talk to people, you work through your differences, there is an opportunity for you to both be happy. You don't need to sabotage anybody. You can stay within your own boundaries. Um, You can have your own rights as a human. And I think things will go well. And you'll be respected for what you produce, which is very important because once we stop producing, um, we stopped and working together as a society and we all work in the individual islands, the workload goes higher. And when that workload goes higher, you're going to be looking to take away from other people. And that's the hmm. bad way to go about it. If you're good at making grain or making any product, focus on doing that. Economic theory will back you up. Okay. Hmm. When you operate fairly and effectively, you will be able to get doing what you do well. And in return, you can expect fair trade for your goods. But once we start capping and pricing and protecting and, and t- saying, I conceptually believe in, in this, this price or this thing, uh, we're going to have problems. And then we're going to lead to more unionization, more protection, that protection cause costs, no greater national defense, uh, go through all these protection measures in order to be something we're not. Aggression may be human. Air is human. But when you all focus on what you're good at, we all eat well, we all get fat, and we look like cats. That's all I got. That's one hell of a summary. <laughs> How, can I give it my crack? <laughs> go for it. Be less human, be more like a hobbit. Grow shit. <laughs> the hobbits were scavengers, dude. <laughs> they were. They had to go in the carts and walk around. Sure, sure. But they wound up settling down and nothing that is green uh, isn't worth growing. I don't know. I, I, I'm not Tolkien. <laughs> That's what caught them in the trouble when they had to go to the raspberries near the, the, where they were. No! No, no, no. It was fine. It ended up being fine. They ended up growing a bunch of shit. They moved, migrated west. They headed off to the Shire eventually. They didn't grow. They migrated with the food. Well, yeah. Well, they migrated away from danger. You're ruining. You're 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 diluting my point. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. 
another fabulously horrific failure by Whiskey and Rocks. <laughs> I love it. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. <laughs> try it again? Yeah. No, I think I got it. I think I got yeah. it pretty down. Be less human, be more like a hobbit. Try and grow shit. And I don't mean literally try and grow shit. I mean, it's like you were saying earlier. You know, like, find out what you're good at, and economic theory will take care of the rest. <laughs> okay, perfect. The word of the, the session is gong for more. Gong for more? No, G-O-N. Type it in. Type it in Google. <sighs> I spent all day on a computer. <laughs> uh... Type with your elbows. Type with my elbows. All right. No, I'm so I don't I'm, spill my drink. No, I don't want to. G O N. G. Yes. G O N G for more. Gone for more. F E R M O R. F E R M O R. M O R. Yeah. Oh, it's like all one word. Yeah. Gong farmer. Gong for more. Also, gong for more, gong for more, gong fair, gong fower, or gong scour was a term that entered use in Tudor, England, to describe someone who dug out and removed human excrement from privies and cesspits. How do you know this shit? (laughs) The word gong was used for both a privy and its contents. I love it. Oh, fuck. I recently had COVID. Don't make me laugh. That's hilarious. Oh, man. That's hilarious. So what are you worried? What are you talking about? Corporate policy? It looks like uh, so. Like there's an image search associated with this, and it looks like the dude who's calling out, "Bring out your dead." (laughs) That's what it looks like. It's worse than that. There's a YouTube video. Yeah, Um, I don't um, need to see that. It's okay. It's hilarious. But anyways, when you when you when you're trying to describe what you do for a living, I'm a gong firmer. That's what you describe. That's amazing. What do you do? I'm a gong firmer. I'm a gong firmer. <laughs> I'm going to use that now. <laughs> I'm just going to tell people, I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to say gong firmer. I'm a gong firmer. And tell people to Google it. And then they'll Google it. And then they'll have the same reaction that I had. And on that bombshell, <laughs> as they said, uh, they used to say on, uh, what was it? Uh, Top Gear. Top Gear was a good show. Anyway. I digress. Uh, I'm rocks. And I'm whiskey. Yeah. Uh, it was great talking to you this quarter. <laughs> oh, and I, every, every, every time you use that word from, from here, next time I talk to you, you got to keep score. <laughs> like keep score? Gong for more? Yeah. You're going to go, what? I'll spell yeah. it for you. Is that the new? Is that the actual title of our episode, or is it Pendulum? Probably Pendulum, because we actually went serious oh. there for a second. Gong Firmer needs to be the best one. Gong Firmer <laughs> yeah. is the is the title. That's what we that's what we do. We just Gong Firmer. Pendulums and Gong Firmer. All right, sounds good. Because they're gonna have to Google it. And they're gonna come on. It's perfect. <laughs> All right, listeners. See you next quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's a five o'clock world and I was so blown. 
Some of you may recognize the Vogue's 1966 hit Five O'Clock World from the original track, The Drew Carey Show, before the POTUS, or the Presidents of the United States of America, took over the title crawl with Cleveland Rocks. It's funny how this tune is kind of an anthem to the working class, but somehow the Dilbert generation of desk jockeys managed to take it over in the 90s and the dot-com era. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your quarterly dose of Whiskey and Rocks. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Whiskey and Rocks 1, like the number one. All links are in the description. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club.